DVU is going to talk about Fury Road, and it's going to intertwine into a question he had about tarot cards. Go. Okay, so you know, I'm explaining Fury Road as just this holy vision, this two-hour holy vision that I can't explain really. I mean, I have little bits and pieces of, of symbolic information of what it is that I saw. And, and we're talking about, you know, uh, sneezing, right? And so the only way to explain it was just using symbols because the movie doesn't really have the typical narrative that a lot of large scale epics have. And in fact, I've often compared Fear Road to Dread that was released in 2013. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people go like, oh, Dread suck. Well, no. No. Thing. The reason why I like Dread so much is because it took a very large scale problem and it showed you uh, a very small sample of what this large scale problem is. And it really reduced it to a day in the life of two cops, right? And what it's like to be a rookie in police force. Yeah, and it's disastrous. But the thing is, is that it's really interesting is you can extract so much from something that says so little. Okay, so for example, when Dredd meets Judge Anderson for the very first time, Chief, the Chief Judge uh, demands her to use her powers to prove her worth to be a judge. And she goes, okay, so she uses her powers to read Dredd's mind and she says, there's something there, uh, I, I, you know, I see a man uh, angry, um, but it's something beyond anger, something about control, and then she gets cut off. Okay, so I've read theories about that, and it's really interesting is they talk about um, one of the theories that's really interesting is Dredd represents what he believes is the law. He has a very absolutist view of what the law is, but it's starting to conflict. This society is starting to conflict with his definition of the law, and that means so much because that makes him the hero. He has the highest ideals. He has high goal. But the problem is people don't believe in it. So, you know, you have this the mysticism that's going on there. Okay. And then, uh, because, you know, that's what, what you are. We're all heroes, right? We believe in something. And then when we come into, the when we come into some kind of conflict, it, it's disastrous. Okay. So it goes into that chart that I, was, uh, I sent you, which was like belief, and then, uh, and then you have new belief, but in between belief and new belief, you have the steps to get to the new belief. Sounds like the hero's journey. Right, exactly, right? You run into some ups and downs on right. your way to right. expanding your worldview. Exactly. So I have this theory, this theoretical model, which I was thinking, well, how does nihilism occur? And I was thinking, okay, you have belief, and then the first step would be conflict, conflict of the belief, and then you have the next step, which is um, you have you know the, the stages of grief, and then from grief you have uh, um, you have uh, what was it changes? But basically, oh acceptance. That's what it is. So you have grief, and then you have the acceptance. But I thought, well, no, there something happens in grief, and between grief and acceptance, because you don't just go from grief to acceptance. Something. Sometimes you never reach acceptance. Right. 
often people don't. Right. And so what happens if you stay in grief for too long or it, just, it becomes embedded in your thought, in your thought process? Nihilism. It's got to be nihilism, right? So I was like, okay, so this is the battle now. Dread could be, the reason why this supposed fascist authority figure that is Dread, the reason why he represents, uh, he's on the side of good, even though he's actually really scary, is because he has the highest ideal of what good is. And now he's being challenged. His fascist ideology is being challenged. And at the end, it does get, it changes. He has a new belief. And it's not apparent, it's not obvious. I didn't catch that. What's his new belief? So in the beginning, he ordered a homeless man to be sent to prison. He was going to call the ISO cube to come pick him up. And so that guy goes to you know, prison mm -hmm. for being homeless and being you know, on, on the streets. What happens is um, Anderson, she, um, because of her uh, 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 psionic powers and te telepathic powers, um, she, one of the criminals uh, she could see was someone who was just really forced into uh, committing a criminal act. And so what she did was she just said, you tell me where, you know, the main villain or the main uh, criminal is and I'll let you go. Well, um, anyway, the guy does it and the guy uh, runs away and, uh, and Dredd said to her, do you mind telling me why you let a, uh, uh, a criminal go? This isn't just you failed the test. This is you're going to go to prison. And she said, I came here something to the fact that I came, I became a judge to make a difference. And if I just let one guy go, I, and, and I'm going to go to prison, I let a good person go and, and me go to prison. I'd rather just, you know, uh, go to prison. Let her, oops. Oh, basically she, she's nuance, right? She's nuance, right? Right. At the end, the chief justice dread supervisor says, um, is she a pass or fail? This is the moment of change. Dread says she's a pass. Wow, I didn't even catch that. That's brilliant. So you basically, you, the character change came from the, all the way in the beginning. There's something about control. Why? Because it's not about black and white anymore. But the reason why that society needs someone like Dredd is because he saw black and white. But now he needs to know that black and white applies only to specific things. Other things cannot be applied with that. So maybe he starts to realize, yeah, maybe the guy big on the street, maybe I am the problem. Maybe this fascist ideology of trying to keep the world safe with violence doesn't apply to that. Well, that's funny that you say that because in in esoteric tradition, including the tarot, which we're going to link into. Um, I still want to know what you have to say about Mad Max, though. But but um, first they say the, the rules of material existence is yin and yang. Duality. The pendulum always swinging back and forth. Uh, her hermeticism says, um, you know, the, the law of polarity. The pendulum is always swinging between two extremes. Um, uh, Taoism is the Tao is like the divine lives between the two yeah. extremes. Our brain, our left and our right brain, uh, uh, order in, in chaos, right? In, in the tarot tradition, which pulls upon many things, uh, Rosicrucianism, Kabbalah, Hermeticism, all kinds of stuff. They have, the, the high priestess has two pillars. 
uh, the Freemasons call it Boaz and Jakim, but it really just means yin and yang. Those are the solid things of physical reality. Like you need the the solid, unchanging, like black and white, good and evil, life and death. And, and, and life oscillates between the two. And then once you master that and you need it, you need it to live. That's order. That's literally like the law of nature. Those are the rules of physics. Um, once you understand that, instead of being dragged between the two of black and white, in, Ju- in Judge Dredd's case, like, Truly, he only saw things in black and white. Once you learn nuance, and you only learn nuance by facing and experiencing ups and downs yourself, and then you know it as instinct. Once you have enough of that instinct, you could walk the razor's edge between the two. And in, say, the the high priestess card, uh, there is Isis, the goddess Isis, which is considered the ultimate divine uh, she is veiled and and she represents she's she's basically water she's actually the the illustration of her in many um illustrations is she is outpouring water and the reason it's water is because well like bruce lee says you know be like water water could crash what do you say water can crash yeah. uh you know anyway it could take any shape it it sustains life yeah. um but but that paradigm comes from the greeks had the uh the god of gods as in there's nothing above it, was chaos, the river of chaos in which anything could be born out of it. So before there was black and white, there was infinite potential. All humans, because we have imaginations, can tap into infinite potential as long as we're not dragged between the extremes because there's nuance. There's more than we know right now. There's always more than we know right now. So it's important that we know... Uh, that, that we know solid truths. Yeah. If not, we'd just be messes. We wouldn't be responsible. Right. We can't be like water without structure. Yes. So number one, build structure. Right. Understand yin and yang. Understand good and evil. Understand that maybe in everyone's heart they're good, but no, there's dicks in the world and they will kill you. Right. Know that. Right. Once you know there's evil understand evil enough to actually see the nuance in between the motivations of evil. And then you could attain the infinite, which is infinite potential. Now I'm going to link that. You had a question about tarot. You just had a general comment about it. You're like, who, who, who would be good at reading tarot cards or, and my answer was yourself learn what it is. So here's my, here's my paradigm of, of tarot. I know some people use it as like fortune telling and all that stuff. And there, there's, there's, logical, rational reasons for that. But the way I look at it, and I'm not the only one, but I see actually from a psychotherapy perspective, sure. from a Jungian, Freudian perspective, which which is, and this is so great, um, our left brain is like order, black and white. And our right brain is pure imagination, as we kind of you know, just said. And we need to kind of be both. Now, the problem with psychology is there's something wrong with all of us. There's a lot of things wrong with all of us. And the worst part is we don't know what's wrong with us. And even worse is most of the things that are really wrong with us, we will kill anyone who points it out. (laughs) That's called being triggered. (laughs) And and literally, um, the lower functions, the the, the rage animal functions that say, I'm going to die, I better kill you, become activated and override all the, the higher computers because it's associated with death. It's associated with death because the first time any human leaves you alone when you're an infant, your mind goes, I need them 
to literally do everything. I can't even move. I'm going to die. So we all actually experience the death alarm. Every single human has experienced that once in their life. Yeah. So we know what it's like to die at least once because that will happen the first time someone left the room after you were born. So they say, okay, so intellectually, we can't ever look at ourselves because so much is hidden from ourselves. That's why we have this thing called the subconscious. And that's why subconscious problems arise and and drive our behavior in ways we don't understand. Self-sabotage, fear, jealousy. I don't want to feel jealous right now, but in subconsciously, um, there's, there's, abstract not organized emotions emotions are like water just crashing and what we need to do is we need to master water and be able to put it in its place and use it and keep it flowing like irrigation on a farm you know what i mean so what does tarot do tarot is a set of images and they tell the hero's journey story by the way linearly there's the fool and he goes through ups and downs until at the end he is the sun and the sun is um by being yourself a full, radiant, complete entity. You are giving life to everyone else um, as if by a side effect, even maybe not even intentionally. You're just so legit and so figured out. You're a role model, whether you know it or not. Um, so you look at an, a tarot image and they all have structure. So there's a story everyone's agreed on. So say it's the sun. We well, look at the sun. Uh, you might have a question, by the way. It's like, God, I'm really unhappy about this. Like, uh, should should I should I take this should I take this job or or you know um, what should I do about this relationship? You know what I mean. And no one could ever answer that for you. By the way, you're asking yourself, but since you don't know everything about yourself, you need to access the part of your brain that holds all your deep unstructured emotions. So you pull a tarot card and you look at it, and it's an image. It's an image with some agreed upon structure. So say it's the sun, the one I just mentioned. So that would be a big picture of a sun. And in front of it are a bunch of sunflowers. The sunflowers are all looking at a naked baby riding a white horse. What that rep... And and so here's the symbols everyone agrees upon. So we take these as facts. Horses represent our animal self. Um, but it's a white horse, which means it's the purified animal self. And it's under the control of the baby who's, who's its rider. So what it's saying is uh, we need to be like a baby, which is pure exploration, pure happiness, pure openness. But we have mastered our animal self. All of the sunflowers are looking at that, which are the two parts of us. So the higher part of us is just full of joy and loving and the lower part of us is mastered by the higher self. All of the sunflowers are looking at it because sunflowers follow the sun wherever it goes. It's to say that we are the sun when we are, are that that's the, that that's the preset meaning as in you buy any book and it's going to say that. Okay. But then you see the image and you might, um, then you look at the image and you go, well, what, what else does this image say yeah. in your own interpretation? More or less, you fill it up with your own bullshit. Right. But in doing so, you're pulling from your imagination sure. where all of your emotions are stored. Mm-hmm. So if, if it's, should I break up with this person? 
who I'm having troubles with and you pull the sun card and you might say, oh, destiny brought that to me if you so choose. Or you could just go, okay, this is what's going to interpret it. Then you might tell yourself the story of, well, that baby's smiling and I want to be happy. And, and I'm actually not free when I'm with this person. They're very domineering. And actually, I don't get to be myself when I'm with them. And, and this card strictly says, by being yourself, by being complete and healthy, you are radiant. So then you might build this narrative. You, you might start looking in that direction of like, God, well, I'm supposed to be like this and I can't be like this in the relationship. Okay, but then here's where it gets even more interesting. Maybe you pull another one. You pull a second card and it means these other things. Like, let's say it's um, King of Cups, which uh, without getting into too much detail, it's it's a dude holding a cup on a rock and he's surrounded by stormy waters. The stormy waters mean out of control emotions um, in chaos, but the king is not knocked over by those things. And he's holding the cup. And just like Bruce Lee said, like, be like water, like empty your cup. Well, that's what it is. It's like a solid cup that could handle the waters of chaos. So you could handle the waters of chaos well. That's the preset meaning. But you might look at it and go, um, well, 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 but, you know, I know the sun is, is everything I just said, and I need to be radiant and, and, and independent and um, myself, and I can't be. But this card communicates like strength and chaos. And you know what? Actually, my romantic partner is very chaotic, but I do have the capacity to be strong. I don't need to give in to that. Actually, that'd be very easy, and I think we could both heal as a result. You see, and basically you're creatively bullshitting a story out of these images. And then you pull a third one, and then you see how you continue. Maybe you've pulled four in total. And what you do is then you use your imagination to write your own narrative of what these four random pictures might be telling. You are making that narrative from your own mind where your disturbed emotions are. So your disturbed emotions can come out through creativity only. They don't speak words. They don't speak numbers. They're not logical. Your subconscious only speaks images and symbols, as you were saying with Mad Max. The the only way you're able to describe Mad Max, which was a religious experience to you, was through symbols because it it was a higher file. Yeah. It, it was 10 terabytes where words are one gigabyte. Right. Words are so cheap. Right. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's plugged into emotion, which we can't communicate. We can't communicate emotion. The only thing in the human existence that I think communicates emotion is, is music. You know what I mean? Because we don't know what that is and it affects us physiologically. Or of course, image, like you look at someone and their eyes tear up and you instantly change yourself because you're like, oh my God, what's wrong? I'm sorry. Oh, what? can I help you? Oh, 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 oh my God. So essentially like the nonverbal holds so much more data, especially emotions. And if there's emotional problems and everyone has them, that's where they're hiding. The second you're able to bring them out, and give them words, now they're ordered. We know what to do with order. We could chop up order. We could use words to discuss order. Then maybe say it's a romantic problem that this therapy session is about. Then that person could go to their partner and they could verbalize what's up. Once you verbalize it, you just cho- you can now choose, I will work on it or I will not. And now it's a, now it's a black and white question. You have made it dual. And that's what you want. You want to say, here's the solution, yes or no. Right. And if they say no, so be it. And if they say yes, you work on it. So that's actually the, the whole tarot thing. 
and associated with Mad Max. You know what I mean? Like the way you describe Mad Max is beyond just, it's a cool movie and it's in the action section. Right. right. And, and you know what's funny is as you were saying that, you know, you're talking about uh, using words and now you're, you're giving it like, a, a, you're combining it now. It's interesting because I think that's the reason why I don't want to hear anyone else talk about Mad Max. And nor do I want to read it. Because that'll just cheapen it for you. I've read one review and it was yeah. totally from this radical feminist. And I was like, I, I got to stop. And, you know, I'm open to ideas. But mm. what happened is, see, there's a inherent beauty in that. Mm. In that um, it, it's this fable about the, the, you know, the explanation we're given by George Miller is that, you know, it's about... Uh, resources okay and I, okay like I don't want to misinterpret I don't want to uh, speak for anybody's you know uh, for any creative person's project I think that's not fair but the thing that I noticed was is that it, it's not it doesn't use the traditional narrative of words it has dialogue in there definitely mm -hmm. but the dialogue if you actually think about it if you take it away mm -hmm. The movie's still exciting. Yep. Okay. And it's yeah. You don't need a single word. You don't need it, and yep. even the words don't really mean anything. Like the stuff that the word. Watch do. out! Yeah. Oh no! Oh, what a lovely day! It's like it, it's, like, it's just it's just sprinkles on the cupcake. Yeah. Exactly right. And so I'm watching this film, okay, and I'm just sitting there, and and I'm watching giant trucks, uh, weird as anything goes design with the cars. I'm watching uh, uh, Max being tied to this thing, and he's got this thing on his face, and they're chasing after uh, these women. One of them has like a mechanical arm driving this giant big rig or war rig, they call it. And I'm thinking like, what is this? Because this is definitely imagination. This is, you know, the chaos that we're talking about. This is infinite potential. But I was like, you know, it's like a, uh, and I'm not religious in the sense that, you know, I subscribe to any religion or anything, but it felt like when it feels like you look at like a cathedral or you look at, you know, these, these like giant, holy, awe-inspiring, yeah, awe-inspiring yep. things, you're going like, there's got to be a thought process behind this. This exists for a reason, right? And so, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching the movie and I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, definitely they've. They, they serve a purpose for the narrative. That, that's all fine, we understand that. But there's something going on here, right? And, and when the movie ended, the movie ends in a very unique way. And this is, this is, and this is very important. Fiorosa goes on the, uh, the, uh, the elevating platform and, you know, she can barely stand, but she's alive. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, the survivors around here and then, you know, water is being given to, you know, the, the masses and, you know, she's like, I don't know, she's just become this, the, this queen now, this powerful, uh, the sign of, um, just, just, I don't know, like uh, motherly power or whatever you want to call that. Right. And she looks around and Max isn't around and you right. thought Max was with them. Okay. And then all of a sudden she looks down, Max is in the crowd. I'm getting emotional talking about this, but she looks at Max, Max looks at her, and he has this look of, I know. And she goes, yeah, 
and then they part ways. And like, wait a minute, wait a minute, something happened there. Something happened there. This is important. This isn't something to be taken lightly. And here's what I realized. And this is, <clears throat> this is like, this is the ultimate hero's journey. This is like Dante and Virgil uh, in the Inferno. And, and here, here's what it is. And here's what I got out of Fury Road, okay? What I got was, <clears throat> and people were complaining how Max was in the main character and it was, you know, and a lot of this radical feminist bullshit was in there. I said, no, 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 no. We're, we're looking at this wrong. We're, we're dividing people. This isn't it. Here's what it is. <clears throat> what it is, is you have this world, this world of just chaos. You just don't understand it. And, and you go through life and it's just, it's this miserable place to be. Okay. And you have all these forces that are against you and you just choose to just, you go, okay, like that's it. That's all there is. And, 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 but eventually you do get to a point where you're like, no, I got to fight and you do fight it. <clears throat> and what ends up happening is that on this quest to get to a certain destination, you realize I'm not where I want to be. This is where humanity comes in. One person who saw what you're going through, that one person who, unlike anybody else, could have walked away but did the most heroic thing. They decided, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to show you how to go through hell. Mmm, ooh, okay. yeah. And what they did, <clears throat> And why they were the appropriate person to help you go through hell was because they've been, that hell is their landscape. That's their world. Know it so well. At the end, they blow through the armada and they get to the other side, which is really still hell. But hell changed because the perception changed the perception was oh this isn't really hell i just i'm just running away from it and that guiding spirit that was really just a symbol that could have been anything that could have been the person that could have been you know the therapist that could have been the best friend whatever that was that was the force that you needed to go through hell so Max wasn't a side character. Max was the main character. Mad Max, the reason why we don't need to know about him is because that's his world. Who else would have taken Furiosa through hell better than Max would? And the character development is at the end. It is not when he decided to help her. No, that's just, he just, that's just, okay, well, uh, I feel like I have to do something. No, that's not the character development. The character development happened when he looked up and realized, this isn't my journey. I had to do this because I know how to do this. I know how to take you through hell. So whatever happens next, I can only suspect that now it's, we solidify Max. Max's next journeys is going to be selfless. It's going to be heroic in the way that I'm going to help others go through this land. 
And so to me, that was like the holy vision I started to realize was that, wow, here's this giant epic action film, which has all these things that are just not so obvious. And I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, the symbols here are, I need to piece this together. And what it is is, I understand the creative process. I understand how it is. And I'm not saying this from like, uh, was that the messianic uh, uh, point of view? It's more of just, I get how this works. I, I get the hell that I've been through. Like, it's called being a good teacher. It's called being a good teacher. Or a good parent. Right. And so here I am running away from creative projects. I got to a point where I'm telling people, don't do them, don't do them. Just go do your commercial thing, right? But then I realized, no, that's running away from your dreams. The thing here is, is that creativity has been my domain for like the longest time. And I've just been running away from it. So w the last time I was at a convention, uh, a young uh, student, um, I made a mistake of talking about the, I just, I was being negative about the creative field. And she didn't know anything about it. And then I started to realize, oh my God, I'm one of those people now. Mm, bitter. I was bitter. Because hell hurts. Because hell hurts. Mm. So what I realized is, is that <clears throat> what I need to do from here on out is, is that I really do need people to go ahead and do, go on the path, the mission that they need to go on. And if they ever ask me for help, I need to be okay with that. I did not, not saying that I'm going to do the project for you. It's just, if you have the question, I need to be kind enough to say, yeah, I've had that problem before. Let me answer it for you. Uh, let me help you with it. And, and uh, I don't know, you know, um, I can't give you a concrete advice on what to do, but I can definitely share my experience and that can help you along. Mm -hmm. Right? So I understand the desert wasteland. That's the symbol. The symbol of a wasteland is the symbol of, of the, the creative landscape. Right. And that, this sounds like the definition of a shaman. You go on the journey. Yeah. I just guide you a bit. Right. But you're the one, you're the one going through the struggles. You're going to get your arm ripped off. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? See, it's funny. It's like, I, I get it now. It's like, it, it's so funny. It's like, I went through this period where I thought, okay, well, being creative is all about getting paid for it because that's what I was told at an early age. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. Uh, oh, you're going to be an artist? Well, oh, you're going to get paid for drawing and painting? Yep. Right? And so you go through that, you meet these non-artists, and, you know, there's a lot of non-artists who just aren't sympathetic to what the creative person is. And they're just the, the people begging for water in Mad Max. Yes. Exactly, right? Because they'll certainly take the water once the artist finds it and brings it to them. Right, exactly. Which is fine. <laughs> you know, some people are okay with that, right? And, and it's funny because I've always compared, you know, the creative industry, you know, the commercial creative industry as a, a rat race. Yeah. And that's what it was, is all these uh, cars are in, the, the water rigs and all this stuff. That's what it is. It's a rat race. Mm -hmm. Right for dominance, and what is the resource? Well, for them, it's what was it oil or water? It was water, wasn't it? Okay, okay, water, right? That that was the main water. thing because there there was gasoline and breast milk also, but yes. those were 
What is the resource then for the rat race? Well, there's the economic incentive. Yeah. Okay. So that's the resource, right? So they're all battling for that. And Max has been there. Max was a, a police officer in the earlier installments. He was representing order and controlling, you know, helping with, because what is law enforcement? Law enforcement is to help people and also, you know, protect resources and whatever, right? And you can define resources as humans, right? And safety, that, those are all resources. So it's like, <clears throat> anyway, you have this rat race, everyone's competing to get to this supposed incentive Right, and that's what creative people do, and that's what Max was dealing with. Well, Max ran away from that. And the false start that we have to be careful of is when you say, well, fuck it, I'm out of this, I don't want to participate in this. <clears throat> there is a difference between that and saying, you know what, I've already gotten to where I need to get to in this career, what's the next step? One is evolution, the other one is quitting. Those are two different things. Yeah. Okay. So Max did not evolve in the beginning. That's why Max got captured because Matt's still in the rat race, right? You don't, you can't escape from the rat race just by saying, I don't want to be a part of it. It's like mm -hmm. being in a boxing match and going, well, I don't want to get hit. You're in the ring, dude. Yeah. Right? I mean, you get hit, it's because you signed a waiver saying, Pain is inevitable. Pain is inevitable. So Max goes through this thing, he's captured. Um, and Inferosa's kind of doing the same thing. She's like, I don't want to be a part of it. But really what it was, was all they needed to do was turn around. And that's actually was a simple thing. And they didn't get far. They got to a point where they realized, oh, there's nothing else. There, there really is just a giant wasteland. They, they had to learn that the hard way. Right. So I could run off right now and say, I don't want to be part of this. And then end up in another job I don't like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I could be in another part of the wasteland. Yeah. Or I turn around and I say, I guess I'm going to face my responsibilities. I'm going to uh, go pay for my, I'm going to pay off my debt. I'm going to uh, do my freelance projects. I'm going to work the best. And the only dream, the dream, which is actual, the actual resource is to do the projects I want to do and in hopes that those projects can have some kind of social impact within my community. And <clears throat> that's what I got from Mad Max. Nice. Right? And also, because of that, it's made me uh, better in terms of wanting to include a lot of people in this. Mm -hmm. I don't, can't do it alone I don't think no. and that was the point it was you know people saw it as like this you know you have a you, you probably did even have the uh, misogynist in their explanation of it and how they hated it but my whole take was that well and that's why it's so beautiful that it's above language right so the small can project the small right minded onto it right you know it's very funny it's like okay <clears throat> um it's hard not to I don't want to say any names, but uh, I did, I saw a review and someone was complaining about how it was definitely uh, an action film of today. Uh, and I was just thinking, no, like 
the relationship between Max and Fiorosa is symbolic. It's it's it, it's, it's it's a symbolic relationship. It's, it's too you can't take it too literal. Like it's it's a male and a female. It's actually more of a symbolic relationship. And all the symbol was utopia. What is the most utopian ideal? The utopian ideal is is that people help each other along the way. Mm -hmm. There's a point in the story in the beginning where all they were doing was they're just double crossing each other, or at least trying to get away from each other, mm -hmm. right? But there was a point where, without any words, they were getting attacked, and they looked at each other and realized, holy shit, we need to like keep moving. But this isn't done through dialogue. This is done through, uh-oh. And they look at each other, and, and then they just drove off. Mm. And some could say, well, that's poor writing. No, that's actually perfect writing, because there is a full understanding from the characters what happens if they don't team up. It's beyond writing. It's beyond writing. It's just... You finally got to a point where two characters didn't see that they were any different. They saw it as, actually they saw it as, we're different, but the situation makes us the same. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, if I don't get this done, you're killed. And uh, if you don't get this done, uh, I'm killed. So we need to help each other. And at the end, the biggest symbol of, of sameness, of oneness, is Max giving blood to Furiosa. And, and the way I took that was when an artist is, uh, you know, uh, or when I'm, uh, you know, there's someone who has a different ideology or a belief than I have, right? It's like, what do I do? Uh, I've been uh, telling you about how I'm studying classism. And there's this whole like thing about white privilege and whatever. When you're black, white, yellow, red, I don't care. When you're poor, it sucks, dude. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what is the blood, the symbolic blood I can give? What? Wisdom. Empathy. And wisdom. And yeah, all those things. Your mic did. <clears throat> the purpose of Mad Max is it is a, a movie about humanism. And the themes are... The themes are very apparent there, which is, or at least what I got from it, which was um, utopia is hell, actually, is the responsibility, is the acknowledgement of the responsibility you have to make hell into utopia. And, and in order to do that, you cannot be alone. You cannot keep running and, and doing it by yourself. You have to turn around, you gotta face it, but on that path, totally okay to look at someone and go, I'm not gonna fight with you, I'm just letting you know, I need this help. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, uh, anyway, that was my interpretation of it. Hell yeah, that was a good one. We didn't. Even, this wasn't even a planned podcast. <laughs> we just were talking and I hit record. By the way, hold on, can I see your microphone? Yeah. It, oh! That's what was going on. Oh shit! Well, it was picking up. Oh okay, okay, okay. It's funny because <laughs> Steve's mic was off the whole time. 